1: Hello and Happy New Year! I thought it would be good to start today with some garden-based New Year resolutions. Let's hear what growers from across the RHS are hoping to achieve in 2021.
2: Hi, my name's Charlotte Sweeney and I'm a horticultural advisor for the RHS. My gardening resolution for 2021 is to think more about how drought-tolerant a plant is before I buy it.
1: My name's James Lawrence. I'm Principal Horticultural Advisor at Wisley. My Gardening New Year's resolution for 2021 is to reduce the size of the lawn and increase the space in my beds and borders so I can grow more plants. The only problem is I haven't told the family yet. I'm Guy Barter and welcome to Gardening with the RHS. My Gardening resolution is to actually let some light into my overgrown woodland garden. I love trees and bulbs, but so it's all got a bit too much. I've made a good start already. I've started cutting back, but there's a lot more to do.
3: Hi, my name's Janet Manning, and I'm the Water Management Specialist at the RHS. My newest resolution this year in my garden is most definitely to plan things better. Make sure that all my water butts work, see if I can fit in another one, make sure everything's mulched, and then start planning my planting a lot sooner. I'm Jenny Bowden and I'm one of the gardening advisors. My New Year's resolution is to sow salads more regularly. So lettuce, spinach,
1: rocket. So on today's show, we're looking forward to the next 12 months in horticulture. We're discussing the design trends to look out for and exploring why well-being is becoming an increasingly important topic for gardeners. There's plenty for us to look ahead to with much excitement at the RHS this year. We have our brand new fifth garden opening in Bridgewater, the return of Chelsea Flower Show and of course plenty of lovely plants. The start of the year is particularly exciting as you begin to see shoots of snowdrops and early daffodils and I just adore seeing these bits of greenery. They're signs that spring isn't too far away. My favourite plant at this time of year is the hellebore or lenten rose. It flowers for a long time, has evergreen foliage. Its flowers are in beautiful subtle shades. They nod and persist for weeks. It's a lovely plant. I save seed from them and some of my seedlings are going to flower for the first time this year. I'm really looking forward to that. But for our next guest, they're looking forward to a plant you can eat.
2: Do you want homegrown salad with pretty flowers in it in the winter? If it's a yes, then get winter (laughs) parsley. My name is Poppy Okocha. I'm a grower, forager, a cook, and I'm going to talk a little bit about my favourite winter bloom. My favourite winter bloom is winter purslane, or also known as miner's lettuce. It's actually not a very dramatic bloom, it is a really small little kind of crawling plant low to the ground. It's a salad leaf, um, so it's really lovely, juicy, sort of subtle tasting leaves. The leaves are pale green and beautiful kind of curved shape to them, and the flowers appear in the centre of two joined leaves, really pretty tiny little white flowers. I love winter purslane because it's an edible plant, which is just, I love edible plants. (laughs) It's also really hardy, so it will survive in the winter, which is a really nice thing to have. Um, And the little flowers are just so pretty, they're like tiny little stars that appear across the plant. Um, And in February they're just such a welcome hello. (laughs) The plant self-seeds pretty freely, so you might want to kind of watch out for it spreading about the place. Um it is a cut and come again salad, so it means you can just slice it and it will grow back. It's pretty trouble free, doesn't have a lot of pests or diseases other than slugs and snails. So there's not a great deal you need to do. It's a really great entry level plant.
1: Poppy Ococha. Now I think it's time to look forward to some garden design trends for 2021. I spoke to garden designer Juliet Sargent to find out how she sees the year panning out.
3: In the last few years, I've seen a real upsurge in people wanting naturalistic gardens. And I think particularly during Covid, when people were getting in touch with nature and really appreciating nature and what it has to offer. That's something that people are wanting more and more. And I see it continuing into 2021 and beyond. People are really interested in how to encourage wildlife in the garden and look after the environment more through their own gardens. And I think that's just a lovely thing to be seeing. There are lots of ways of looking after wildlife in your garden. And many of them are just small, simple steps, changes in the way that we garden. And of course, the number one thing is to reduce as much as you can, preferably to zero, the number of artificial chemicals that you use in the garden. Definitely avoid using pesticides and um, avoid using weed killers on your lawn. Because every time you're killing a a weed or a pest, you're also risking killing something that's healthy for your garden. So that's the first thing. And I think the other thing is perhaps to be a little bit more relaxed about the way that we garden. And although we don't want sort of really shaggy wild gardens, most of us, encouraging your wildlife in your area doesn't mean that you have to have a completely wild garden. You can just Be a little bit more relaxed about tidying up so that the birds have seed heads, so that the small creatures have leaves to create habitats, tweaks to use for their nests. So there's a lot of small steps that you can use to help wildlife in your garden. One thing that I'm really looking forward to is actually a negative. (laughs) I am looking forward to people realising how damaging patio heaters are and outdoor heaters, because I know that we've had to spend a lot of time meeting our friends and families outdoors this year. And of course, that has been a necessity but there's been the big upsurge in people buying and using patio heaters and they're so, so bad for the environment. So I think if we can possibly perhaps put on two, three jumpers, scarves, hats and gloves, it would be much better for the environment rather than using patio heaters. And I'm really looking forward to Chelsea next year. The RHS has announced that Chelsea is happening because I really enjoy going to Chelsea, watching it on the television and learning about the new plants that will be introduced next year. One thing I hope that people will want more of in their gardens in the future are ponds. I think ponds are so relaxing for us as human beings to listen to the sound of water trickling and to watch the reflections and also to watch the wildlife a pond so quickly attracts a little buzzing insects dragonflies small mammals coming for a drink bumblebees love to have a drink at the edge of a pond so i think the more ponds that we can introduce the better that would be a great thing My garden's a very practical garden. And we're actually putting up a big shed this winter for all the things I have to contain. So next year, 2021, will be spent trying to screen this enormous, ugly shed. So I'll be thinking about climbers and lovely shrubs and flowers to try and make the shed disappear. It'll be nice, actually, to have another vertical surface to put some climbers. I love things like jasmine and roses, evergreens. There's some really nice evergreen climbers. So climbers. Climbers will be what I'll be concentrating on next year.
1: Juliet Sargent. I love her tips about supporting wildlife in our gardens. I'll definitely be trying some myself. As all of us gardeners know, being outside in green spaces makes the world of difference to our mental health and well-being but now we have the science to back it up. Laurienne Chalman is the RHS's first wellbeing fellow. So she'll be spending the next few years conducting research into the relationship between gardens and wellness. Her first study looked at the impact of having plants in our front gardens on stress levels with some very interesting results.
4: Since I was about 18 or so, went to university, I've always been interested in the social engagement with nature in in general, so how we as humans impact our environments and how our environments can impact us. So, front gardens are really interesting spaces and I wanted to study them because they are, in a way, an, an endangered species. So they are being increasingly paved over, both for ease of maintenance and a rise in the rental sector but also because people are wanting to park their cars or needing to park their cars with the removal of on-street parking in in many urban areas. So front gardens are being paved over and that has a lot of ecological impacts that we do know about that we can model, so things like increased risk of localised flash flooding and the removal of habitats for wildlife. But we didn't have any evaluation of what the social, cultural and health impacts of that might be. So that's what I wanted to do. The other interesting thing about front gardens is that, of course, they are private land, but they are very much in public view. So private individual decisions do have an impact on the street around, so neighbours, passers-by, and that made it... Maybe more conceptually, quite a different thing to a back garden, for example. The experiment was part of my PhD project. We added two planters and uh, a tree, uh, so ornamental plants, into previously bare front gardens. And what we added were petunias, violas, rosemary, lavender, azaleas, clematis, so snowy mespilus trees, and dwarf juniper trees. In 38 front guidance were looking at 42 different people so some of them were couples living together and before and after this intervention we were measuring perceived stress as well as physiological stress in these residents perceived stress is essentially a measure of asking people how stressed they're feeling and and physiological stress we measured that by sampling salivary cortisol before and after the plant. So that is cortisol, which is a stress hormone that's found in saliva. So we were collecting saliva from people. Essentially, the main themes, I think, that came out were that it was a motivation for people to do more things You know, one lady, for example, she felt so motivated by the fact that her front garden could look good that she decided to do up her back garden. There was one other lady who repainted the porch of her house. People were sort of cleaning their windows more. So it kind of, you know, started an element of pride. And and that was another of the themes, so pride of place. People who were more proud about their own house, their street. People were telling me that, They felt proud to not live in something that looked like a dump. Um, So if people were coming to visit, they wouldn't feel pity as soon as they entered the front door. And then there were more general things that were about how uplifting it was to see the plants as you're entering and leaving the house. Or even when you're inside, you can see it from the window. There were many people who were maybe more isolated in their houses, and this is pre-COVID, of course, so people who were already quite isolated who were saying that because they were spending more time out front maybe or looking out front, they were seeing more neighbours and having more social interactions with their neighbours or passers-by and that was quite uplifting for them. I was pretty sure that no one would dislike it in a way because, you know, we used fairly familiar flowers. It, It generally looked quite nice and I think objectively it was an improvement on the area and that you know we added nice things what I didn't expect necessarily was that the experiment would actually work so in the early days of planning we were having to come up with plan b plan c plan d up to you know plan z because maybe when we installed the planters they would have just gotten stolen the next day this was quite a deprived area lots of fly tipping lots of theft You know, the the participants, when I was going around and recruiting them, many of them were saying that I was crazy and that this wouldn't work, that things would get stolen. That was something. So we were very, actually, pleasantly surprised that, you know, they did remain for at least a year. And I haven't been recently, but I know that I think it was in February 2020 they were still there. So that's three years on. The other thing was that we didn't know how long it would take to pick up a change in an individual's stress regulation. So that was quite a pleasant surprise, actually, that the data did show physiological stress reduction. And the other big surprise was that this all happened with actually a relatively small number of plants. So just two planters and a tree did have beneficial impacts on their health. It's not about, you know, being the best front garden on the street or something. It's about adding something to your life that you feel is nice and uplifting. And when it's in your front, you're also contributing to uplifting feelings for your neighbours and for your street and for passers-by. It's about having green spaces that are near you that give you regular exposure to nature.
1: Lauriane chalman puey That's it for today's show. If you'd like to find out more about anything we've discussed today, then head over to rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. Until next time, it's goodbye from me, Guy Barter, and good luck with your New Year gardening resolutions.